It's been a while. How long has it been since we met together? What's the time frame we're looking at here, people? What's end of March? 22nd of March. Wow. 22nd of March. So what is it now? It's June something. March, April, May, June. So we're nearly three months since we met. <laughs> My goodness, it has been a long, long time since we, since we met, hasn't it been? Um, where's Chloe? Where's my daughter? Is she gone? Oh, she just walked out. Chloe? Is she, is she taken off? Has she come here, Don? Just come up the front. Where's one second before you go? Quick. I just want to show them how long it's been since we met. Come up here. Stand next to me. Now, when last time we met, we just bought these jeans for Chloe the day before. Now look at the holes in them. That's how long it's been since we met. Thank you, darling. You can be free to head off. My little model there. That's how long it's been since we met last. Last time we met, the Roosters had not won a single game in the National Rugby League. And now they're undefeated since we came back last four weeks. But last time we met, they hadn't won a game. Many things have changed in that period of time. Last time we met, the Tigers were coming ninth. We still are. <laughs> Four rounds, we're still stuck in ninth. We've got a 20-year lease on the, that rung of the ladder, I reckon, and we just cannot get off it. Anyway, I don't want to start on the Tigers. Jesus is here. And... If you've got a Bible there, can you turn with me to Mark? I've got to put my glasses on so I can actually see the ants that are crawling on the pages. Oh, look at that. It's letters. Mark chapter 9. <coughs> For me, please. I just want to share one simple little thought with us this morning. Before I do, does anybody else think that it's weird that everywhere you go right now, you are sanitizing the part of your body that you're not allowed to make contact with to anybody, but yet we're all banging elbows and no one's wiping elbows? Is it? Is it just me that thinks that's crazy? Why? I'm going to sanitize my hands so I can elbow bump you on the way past. Uh, everybody's probably, el- we're going to start sanitizing our elbows as well. That would make more sense. Can't put your elbow in your mouth, but you can put your elbow in someone else's mouth, Rod. You haven't thought of that. Not that you would. Okay, uh, Mark chapter <coughs> 9. Um, everything is wet paint for us at the moment, so I, I would love to have everybody here uh, doing things the way that we did it before, but it's been massively disrupted. And if I can tell you the truth, I feel like the disruption has been a really, really good thing. Uh, I feel like the disruption in our own personal worlds has probably been a good thing. Anyone feel like the disruption has been positive? There's been some good things. I know there's been some negative stuff, but uh, I reckon if we look deep down inside, there's been some positives probably for all of us in terms of things we've seen, things we've recognised about our own selves and so on. Um, the the adjustments, the re-evaluating of what's important in life. Like I said, once upon a time, I, I couldn't wait. Like, when, when, I, when my kids uh, lived down in Balna there, I... I I like the fact that I can see them whenever I want to. But when I, because I can see them whenever I want to, guess what? I barely went down to see them. Why? Well, because I've got to do it whenever I want it. All of a sudden, when I'm told I can't do it, boy, was that tough. I wanted to do it every single day, go down there <laughs> and see them. So there's been this changing of, of this readjustment of values in our hearts. There's also been a separating of needs and wants. Anyone found that? Things that, that 12 weeks ago you thought you needed, you've just survived for 12 weeks and guess what? They were not the things that you were really crying out for. All of a sudden you realize what you thought you needed was really just something you wanted. And you've been able to survive without it. Uh, kids who thought they didn't need to go to school, who thought they wanted to be at home all day every day. After 12 weeks at home with mum and dad, they're screaming, take me back to school. Because they thought they wanted to be at home and not at school. Now they realize, I need school. I need to be with my friends. I need to go back to the 
you know. People that hated their jobs and didn't want to be at work and thought, brilliant, I've got no work. To... After two weeks at home, they're twiddling their thumbs. They've cleaned every, every cupboard in the kitchen and in the bedrooms. They're, they've gardened every bit of garden. They've done the weeding in their house and the neighbour on the left, the neighbour on the right. They even started going down streets they don't know, just plucking weeds out of people's gardens. And all of a sudden, they just couldn't wait. By the end of it, it's got to get back to work. What happened? Well, you've, you've had a bit of a readjustment, a bit of a value change, a reality check. And we've all gone through things like that. Our needs and wants have been separated. Values have been changed. There's been some really, really good things that have come out of this process. And um, I think for the church, in terms of faith, there have been some really good things that have come out of it as well. Uh, you ever sometimes do something in life and you just, you just do it. And, and you do it for so long that you just robotically go through motions and you just do it. And not only do you just do it, because you're doing it for so long, you do it really well. We can be like that with our relationship with God. We can get into a robotic state in our relationship with God where we've got our quiet time space in the morning. We get up and we read uh, our Bible thing and then maybe we have our set list of things that we pray for and then on a Sunday we come to church at a particular time and we, we you know, do our stuff and then we go and, and maybe we, you know, weekly we have a direct debit thing we pay our tithes offerings whatever and and after a while the real passion of it the meaning the life of those things can disappear and they just become routine robotic things that we do i believe that this little disruption almost i'm going to call it a divine disruption i I believe god's been uh, all over this i'm not saying he caused it i don't believe that he caused the disease to run around the world but i do believe that he works everything for his own glory and history is his story and he makes sure that no matter what's going on in the world that it's fitting into his story from start to finish he's gonna he's gonna get us to a place where we need to be he's gonna take humanity to a place where it needs to go to a time where it needs to go when he will return and the rest will be history you know but I believe that this little bit of space that we've had, it's shaken up maybe, just maybe, shaken up a little bit of the routine stuff that we do. I often wonder, some Sundays I come along here to our gathering, and um, this is not a judgment of anybody at all, because I'm asking it of myself. Some Sundays I come along and I go through what we do, and I can go home, and before you know it, I'm sitting at home Sunday afternoon, and I might be watching football or whatever, and it's like, well, hang on, did I go there with any expectation whatsoever? Was Was I expecting God to speak to me? Was I expecting... To, to see a miracle this morning? If God wanted to show up and heal somebody physically, was I prepared for that? Was I expecting that? Was I creating space where that's a possibility? Or, or did I come with, with questions? Have I, did I pray before I even come in the morning and say, Lord, you know what? You know the questions on my heart. God, speak to me this morning. Give me something that's going to bring life into me. It's going to energize me. Something that's going to... to, to Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, he said, man will not live by bread alone. It's what this natural world gives us is not enough to sustain within us the life that God created us to have. So Jesus said it's not it's not just this, the natural stuff that we need. Uh, we need the Word of God. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And I love that picture. Uh, it's every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So it, it's almost like he's saying God is speaking. He's saying things. And when God says something to you, bang, it brings life. Anyone have one of those moments? You've been reading the Bible. Maybe you've read a passage 50 times. And then the 51st time you read it, and it just, to use trendy analogies, it just pops off the page. Anyone know what that means when something pops? It's a cool term. Don't ask me. I don't know what I just know. It's trendy. Cool. Pops. 
Um, so if something pops off the page, and all of a sudden you go, wow, and, and, and it's like this, this written word. It's almost like all of a sudden that you, you're sitting there reading the Bible to yourself, and then all of a sudden it's like God reads that verse straight at you. Anyone ever have experiences like that? And you might have read it a hundred times, and all of a sudden this, this, this thing pops off the page at you. Um, I hate it when somebody comes to me and goes, you're not going to believe what God showed me. And then they'll pick up a Bible and go, look, and they'll show me. The, and I'm thinking, I told you that about seven messages in the last month. You didn't even listen to me. Well, that's probably a good thing, because uh, man shall not live by bread alone, and he won't live by every word that comes out of the mouth of Alan Kirchin. But you will live and grow by every word that comes out of the mouth of a living God that wants a living relationship with you and me. That's how we grow. That's how we produce fruit in our life is through uh, uh, tentatively opening up our ears and listening to what God is saying to us. And I think in this season, uh, one thing that's been broken is I think a lot of the traditions and a lot of the routines have kind of been shaken a little bit. And I think God's trying to call us back and going, look, it doesn't matter. You can, do, you can be a Christian for 100 years. Um, anyone approaching that? You can be a Christian for your whole life. You can be, <laughs> I'm, not saying, not, I'm not looking at you, Russell. Any, you, could, you can walk with the Lord your whole life and there will still be fresh new things that God wants to speak to you. You see, I, 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 think, I think that this Christian life, was, it's meant to be it's meant to be a journey. It's not a, it, 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 it's not a destination. We don't arrive there. One day we'll arrive, and that's when we stand before the Lord and nothing else matters and nothing else is in our peripheral because he's there. And I'll be looking at Jesus going, well, I, I never would have picked it. I never would have picked that that's who you were. I always thought you were way over. I thought this was who you was. I've been preaching and teaching and telling people this, but you are way, way multiplied, magnified, better, greater, more beautiful, wonderful, than any word I could have ever expressed or given, given unction to uh, right there. So we're, we're on this journey with God, but this journey is meant to be a life-giving journey. Um, it's always fascinating when you think about uh, back in the beginning, in the beginning, God creates man and he gives us one rule. And we were too stupid to obey one rule. We couldn't even do one thing right, if you want to put it that way. Mankind couldn't do one thing right. You can have anything you want, just don't touch that tree. So what do we do? We break the only rule that God gives. Wouldn't it be wonderful to go back to the days where God said to you, there's only one thing you can't do. Take your pick. There's a plethora of options out there for you. Plethora, what a great word. Plethora of options. There's only one thing you can't do. Wouldn't it be wonderful? But it didn't work with one. So I can only imagine that the angels were plucking their wing feathers out when he goes to Moses and says, hey, Moses, here's 10 rules. And they're plucking their feathers out going, don't you remember? God, do you have short-term memory? They couldn't obey one. What do you think they're going to do with 10 of them? And what did we do with 10 of them? The same thing we did with one of them. We couldn't obey it. We couldn't obey it. See, I think there's a reason why we couldn't obey it. We were never created to live by a rule book. We were never created to live by rules. We were created to live in relationship. That's the point of Christianity. When it came time for Jesus to come down and to, to teach and to, to, to heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the lepers and, and bring real wisdom, 
beyond the surfacey stuff, and, and get to the heart of man, beyond all the leaves of the tree, but get to the roots. The real issue is not what you think the issue is. It's not all the leaves on the tree. The real issue is the heart of man. That's the problem. Everything else is just coming out of there. You can run around chopping the leaves off for the rest of your life. They'll keep growing back if you don't deal with this. And Jesus came and he dealt with that. He dealt with the sin issue in the heart of man. And Jesus dies on a cross. He who knew no sin becomes sin for us. He took upon himself what I deserve, what I should be getting. And instead I got grace. That's wonderful. I don't comprehend it with my mind. And I probably won't till I stand before him and I see the nail scars in his hands and in his feet. Those nail scars should be in my hands and should be in my feet. But they're not. They're in his So when Jesus comes, God, if it was going to be about rules, God could have just sent down another rule book. He could have just said, I'll just give you another set of rules and give you another chance to obey another set of rules and we'll see how we go this time. Unfortunately, that's what a lot of people have turned our faith into. This is another set of rules. This is just another set of rules and we get into this and every day, what can I do? What should I do more of? What do I need to do less of? And so on. When God's saying, you know what? When Jesus left, he made this fascinating statement. He said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He said, it's so important for me to go. Can you imagine being the disciples? And Jesus saying, it's better for you if I go. Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. Can you imagine being the disciples thinking, wow, life walking alongside of you, Jesus, is so awesome. But you're trying to tell me that when you physically disappear, that what's going to come down here is going to be better than physically walking with you, physically watching you raise the dead, physically hearing with my physical ears the teachings and the wisdom that comes out of your mouth, watching you cleanse lepers, watching you open blinded eyes. Are you telling me that being with, with this thing called the Holy Spirit, when your spirit comes, it's going to be better? And Jesus gives them a double thumbs up emoji and says, yes, yes, it's going to be better. And that's the kind of, Life, that's the relationship that we were called to. We were called to have a living relationship with a living God. How many of you know this? That book doesn't tell you who you should marry. It's not in there. I can't find it. There's not one single verse in there that says, thou shalt marry Jackie. So maybe we shouldn't be married. I mean, it's not in there. How do we come to that conclusion? Well, we had to listen to God. We had to listen to a God that loves us, that wants relationship with us, bring him in on that discussion. You see, what? These are the train tracks. I do not believe for a second God will ever take you outside the boundaries of the train tracks. These are the, this is the train tracks. What's in this book are the train tracks. Now God won't ever take you outside of the boundaries of the train tracks. But there are so many things that God wants to speak to you about your business, about your marriage, about your children, about your life, about, about so many areas of your world. There's stuff that you need to know, questions you need to know, and you can't find the answers in here. And they're not meant to be in here. They're meant to be in here. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and have a daily, ongoing, living relationship with you. And I wonder how many people through this COVID experience, here's, here's what I think has happened. And I'm just throwing, I'm hypothesizing. So this is not, I'm hypothesizing. Another big word. I love using, big words are in vogue today. I'm using lots of big words. Yeah, I know. I must have got smarter over the COVID period. I just sat there reading dictionaries. It's all I did. I don't know about you guys. Dic- Hypothesize. What's that mean? I feel like we've been shaken up a little bit out of our groove. We've been, been shaken a little bit out of 
maybe low expectation, maybe we've gotten comfortable with knowing stuff. If, if, if a life was transformed by just knowing stuff, then the Pharisees would have been the most transformed people in human history. I kid you not. Some of them, many of them memorized the first five books of the Bible. They had them committed to memory. The first five books of the Bible were committed to memory. Anybody here got one book? Come on, challenge, challenge yourself. One book. Anyone committed one book? You must have, Pauline. You're taking notes every week. You must have committed something. No? Even Pauline hasn't got a book memorized. Then none of you got a hope. They had five books. Remember when, when Jesus was being born? And... Uh, uh, Herod, I think it was, went to the religious leaders and said, this Messiah is meant to be born. Where is he meant to be born? And they went straight to one of the obscure old prophets and said, yeah, we know exactly where. Blah, blah. And they told him because they knew it was all here. All this information was stored up in here. But, but the information doesn't transform you. What transforms us is a life, uh, an ongoing living relationship with Jesus. That's what brings transformation to us. That's where transformation comes from. Now with five minutes to go, I'm going to read Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Here's what I want you to see. Like I said today, nothing profound today. I just want you to think and I want you to listen. What has God been saying to you and what is he saying to you? See, I hate it when people say, uh, uh, what religion are you? I'm Christian. The world doesn't need religion. When Jesus came, there were literally thousands of religions in the world. There already existed religions. The world didn't need another religion. Jesus didn't come to give us another religion. He came to say, scrap all the religions. There's one God. There's one creator of the universe. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care what you believe. There's one creator. And that one creator loves you with a passion. He loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. But here's the thing. There's only one way to have that relationship. And that's through Jesus. That's through Jesus. There's only one way to get right with God, and it's not religion. See, religion is man's efforts to reach up to God, do more of this, do more of that. I remember sitting in a coffee shop with a young man a couple of years back. He sat opposite me, and he burst into tears in the middle of our conversation. And he said, I'm so tired of trying to make him happy. I didn't have a clue. I said, who are you talking about? And he looked up at me with his eyes full of tears, and he said, God, I'm so tired of trying to make God happy. He'd been reading more Bible. How much Bible you got to read? It doesn't say in there how many chapters a day or how many hours. I'm, I can't pray enough. I started at half an hour. Then my religious conscience tapped me and said, that's not enough. Go for an hour. Then I went to a conference and some guy said he prays for 12 hours a day. Now I feel like I've got to pray for two a day. And then after two, I'm getting tapped on my shoulder. It's not enough. Pray for three. Then after two and a half, I'm falling asleep for the last half hour. Then I feel guilty. And before you know it, the devil's just riding on my back. I give up. I give up. I think that's the point. I think God wants us to give up. And give in to Jesus. Give in to Jesus. Let him transform our world. Let him come into our world. Let him invade our life. Let, let your relationship with God become a daily thing, not just, not just a philosophy that we give mental assent to, but something that's living and vibrant and active. That when we open up this and we have a read, you know, I, I'm expecting not to just read this book. I'm, I'm opening myself up for the Holy Spirit to read it back to me. I want to I wanna know you, Jesus. I want to get to know you more. When I'm praying, I'm not just speaking to Casper, the friendly ghost out there. I, I, I want to speak with an expectation that, that, and if you've got to put a chair in front, I don't care what you do, but, but speak with an understanding that the creator of the universe, if this is true, if it's not true, then just throw everything out the window that I'm saying. But if it's true, 
if it's true, he's listening to you. Think about that. He listens to you. The God of the universe listens to you. You might grow up and feel like nobody else listens to you. Maybe when you were a kid, nobody listened to you. Your voice was insignificant. You didn't feel like anybody cared. Didn't feel like your opinions mattered. Didn't feel like how you felt mattered. Maybe today you still feel that way. Let me tell you something. If this book is true, if this collection of ancient writings is true, and I believe it is, there's a God who is ever-present who cares more about you than you realize, who thinks your words are very significant, so significant, in fact, that he's listening to every single one of them. Matter of fact, before you even form the word in your mouth, it's a thought in your head, he's listening. Because he loves you, and he loves me, and he wants relationship with us. Here's what I want to leave you with. Here's what I want to say to you. Mark chapter 9, it's the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus goes up on this mountain. And while he's up on the mountain, there's this experience where Moses and Elijah appear with him. Now, I don't care who you are, that's going to mess with your head. You go up on a mountain and you're up there with Peter, James and John, your three buddies and Jesus, your mate, your teacher, and boom, Here's these two guys, Moses and Elijah, who you've never met, but you've been reading their writings that were written thousands of years ago. Bang, there they are. That's going to weird you out. It's going to weird me out. Bang, here they are. These people just pop, and they they pop. There's your word, they popped. And so they're there, and they're watching this scenario. Now watch this in verse 5. Peter, as he usually does, had to say something. Anyone know of Peter? They've just got to say something all the time. You can't have silence. Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Why the first thing that he thought of was let's build a tent for these people. I mean, let's think seriously. If, if, if Moses and Elijah appeared, if you're praying one day and Moses and Elijah appear and having a chat with Jesus, who in this room, the first thought you're going to have is let's build them a tent. I don't know where it comes from, but I'm not thinking that. I'm thinking a whole bunch of other things. So anyway, he says, let's build them uh, a tabernacle. Let's build them a tent. And the reason he did it, because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. Well, here's some advice, Peter. You don't know what to say. Don't say nothing. <laughs> Radical new thought for the 20th century. Just don't say nothing. In verse 7. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the clouds. Here's, what I, here's all I want you to think about today. This is my beloved son. Hear him. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Listen to him. Listen to his voice. Peter, here's what he's saying. Peter sees this whole thing and let's build some tents. And then this voice from heaven comes down and God goes, Peter, this is my beloved son. Now, Peter, shh, shh. Listen to him. Now try to work it all out. Shh, Peter. Listen to him. Shh. Listen to him. This whole season of COVID, of withdrawal, of isolation, of being pulled away, it's been a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for us to just slow down, wind down, and for God to say to us, shh, listen to me. Because I want to tell you some things. I want to speak to you about your marriage. You can try to work it all out yourself. 
You can run to this book and that book. But, but maybe I want to say something to you. You can run here and there and try to sort your kids out. Maybe I've got some wisdom. Maybe I want to say something to you that will help you with your kids. Maybe I've got some wisdom to input into your business. Maybe I've got some input into the decisions that you're making, the goals that you've set, the stuff you want to do. Maybe, maybe I've got something to offer there. Religion's got nothing to offer, but maybe I do. You know, when I first got saved at 19, I had the most beautiful times with the Lord. 19 years of age, I lived in Ballina uh, on the Serpentine. Little shack. It's all fancy homes now, but it was just a little shack. Me and my dad, 19 years of age. And there was a window and it overlooked the river, North Creek there. And I used to sit there with a big tree outside my window. I still remember it. The most beautiful, beautiful season of my life. And I would sit there at my window and I would talk to God just like he was my friend. Because I didn't realize you had to pray a certain way back then, you know. I probably put a couple of these where thou should have been. But the funny thing is, it just did not bother God at all. He was not perturbed in the slightest by it. And, and, and the most amazing things would happen. He would plant thoughts in my head and ideas and stuff like that. And, and it was this living, vibrant relationship where everywhere I went, I knew that that person was with me. When I would go out to work, I knew that that God was still wanting that same communion with me when I was at work. That God wanted that same type of communion with me when I was playing sport. That God wanted that same type of communion with me when I went out at nighttime with my mates. That God wanted to be a part of my whole life, not just a, a religious element or a religious section. And I believe that there's so many things that God wants to speak to you. So many things that God wants to say to you about your world, your life, your circumstances, your situations. And I feel like what God wants to say is, is, shh, would you just give me a chance to break through the cling and the clatter of life? And would you take some time and would you just, would you, would you listen to me? Would you hear what I've got to say? That's about it. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you right now, Lord. God, I want to thank you that you, God, you love us in such a way that our human brain, it, it can't comprehend it. And you know that. You, you gave us our brains. You, you, you wired us this way, God. But Father, I pray for every person in this room right now, Lord, that God, we would take the opportunity God to allow you to hit the reset button God to do that factory reset that reboot that God we would have a look at our relationship with you Father we turned it into religion God have we turned it into rules and regulations Father are we on edge all the time about have I done the right am I doing it wrong am I or Father are we enjoying an actual relationship with you are we listening to you? Are we speaking to you? Is there honesty, transparency between us? Because God, you love us. I'm reminded of what Brennan Manning once said, Lord, that you love us as we are, and not as we should be. 
for none of us uh, as we should be. So Father, I just pray for each person here, Lord, as we as we begin this gathering thing, Lord, where we start coming back together. And in one sense, the routine of our faith begins to kick back into place. God, I pray, don't you dare let us turn it into routine. Father, would you shake us up? Would you create in our hearts an expectancy that you want to be involved in our world, that you want to speak to us, that you want to lead us, you want to guide us, that you have things, answers, solutions, corrections. And that, Father, we would take out there to the world a living relationship with you and not just another version of religion, not just another list of rules, things that people need to do to make you happy. Start with us, Father, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, bless you guys. What we're going to do, I'm going to get Daniel and the guys to come on up. Now, here's what we are going to start doing now. We get our morning tea and everything set up next door. So one of the things that we're going to do on our Sunday service is now these guys are going to play a little bit at the end of the service. If you want to grab a tea or coffee straight through those doors out there to the aptly named Arise Cafe. It's not called that. It's just cool. I just thought of it, Arise Cafe. Head on out there, have some tea and coffee. If you want to sit a little bit and you just want to pray, you want to just spend some time in, in, in we, you alone with God, uh, we're going to create that sort of space here. So um, bless you guys. These guys are going to kick off a little bit. You can stay if you want. If you don't, feel free to head on through. Grab some uh, tea and coffee next door. We don't have another service, so you don't have to rush off. You guys you guys were the smart ones picking the 10.30 service. Um, so bless you guys. Have a good week.